Yes. So with that, we're going to go into our lesson for tonight. Amen. So let me just say a quick word. Lord, thank you so much for this word that you have prepared for us tonight. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we ask you to, to breathe on this word so that it comes alive to us. We purpose to hide this word in our hearts that we might not sin against you, that we might not miss the mark, but that we can walk the path that you have directed for us. Glory to God, that we can take the steps that you have ordered for us. Thank you, Jesus, so that we can reach the expected end that you have in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so talking about um, cooperating with the word that God has given us. That is so important. And I'm, I'm using this especially now because it's, it's the beginning of the year. And what happens a lot of times is that people receive a word at the beginning of the year. This is the year of your breakthrough. This is the year of divine favor. This is the year of, you know, whatever it is. And praise God, we rejoice at that word and it's good and it's good. And then when things start to happen during the course of the year, it's like, this does not look like that word that I received. And then it's like maybe after, or maybe even after a while, a week or two, a month or two, you forget what the word was. And so when situations and circumstances start to pop up and it doesn't look like the word, lots of times there are thoughts like, well, maybe that word wasn't for me, or maybe that word wasn't true. And then it, it moves, you know, into, is this even real? Is God even real? How can I trust what God says? This is not what's happening. But we need to understand from Mark chapter four, matter of fact, let's turn there. This is the parable of the sower sows the word. And if we look at um, verse well, it's this parable of the sower sows the word and how the seed is sown into different kinds of soil. Let's read verse five, please. Okay. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprung up quickly because the soil was shallow. Okay. And so now if we look down, that is when Jesus was speaking in a parable, okay? But then he explains it later. And so if we look at verse 16 and verse 17, this is Jesus explaining what that means when that stone, when that seed is sown on um, in rocky ground or stony ground. So will you please read verses 16 and 17? All right. Um... King James, or well, I'll read the Amplified. And in the same way, the ones sown under stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And when they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while, then when trouble or persecution arises or on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignated, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. 
Okay, thank you. And so this is what I'm talking about. At the beginning of the word, in the beginning of the year, we receive it. Yay, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. This is my year. And then, um, and this, and I'm speaking of the person who doesn't take the time to, to cooperate with it, who doesn't take the time to do what it takes to cooperate with it. They have no real root. They just received the word. They were happy when they heard it and they go with it for a little while. But when trouble or persecution comes, when it does, when the situation doesn't look like what the word is, okay, then um, they immediately are offended. They're displeased. They, you know, does this even work? Does it, it doesn't work for me? And they stumble and fall away. But why does that trouble or persecution come? Based on the scripture, it says that trouble and persecution arise on account of the word. The enemy cannot afford for us to believe that word because he knows the word will come to pass. And so he does whatever he can to try to stop us from believing that word. He does whatever he can to try to convince us that God is not going to do what he says. So that is why it is important for us when we get the word, we need to establish, we need to allow it to establish a root within us. We need to allow it to go down deep within us. And that requires us to meditate the word, which means to spend time with it. Because the more we spend time with it, the more we will understand it. The more we spend time with it, the deeper revelation we'll get of it because Holy Spirit will continue to minister that scripture to us so that we don't just understand the words that are on the page or just the words that were spoken by whomever. He gives us what he's been giving me, inside information. He gives us insight about that word and he shows us how how to use that word he shows us how to stand on that word and he shows us how to use those words as our weapons our weapons are not carnal they're not worldly but they are mighty through god to the pulling down of strongholds and it should get to the point that when we spend time with god's word and situations pop up that look contrary to what god said we should be rejoicing because we know we got the enemy panicking. We know we got the enemy on the run. He's doing what he's desperate. He's doing whatever he can to get us off of God's word. But we need to establish that root within ourselves. That means it goes beyond just hearing it with these things on the side of our head. We need to hear it with ears that hear. He that hath ears to hear, let them hear. And that word here, it doesn't just mean to catch the auditory sound waves. It means to hear with the intention to do what was spoken. Faith without works is dead. Another way of saying that is faith without corresponding action is dead. So when God gives us a word, then we need to put corresponding action to it. And that corresponding action is whatever we hear him say to do. But the first thing we must do is spend time with it to understand what he's saying. Amen? Yeah. Okay. So um, how do we 
cooperate with the word. Let me ask you guys, what does it mean when I say cooperate with the word? When you hear cooperate with the word, what does that mean to you? What, what do you think you need to do? You're going with it. You're going with the instructions. You're applying it. You're cooperating with, you either picking up in the spirit or the word registered to you or he, you're being led, cooperating with the Lord. Okay. Thank you, Tamara. That was Tamara. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, Tamara. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Who else? Cooperate with the word. This is Deborah. Yeah. Um, first, first, my first action when I hear a word from God is to uh, commit or settle in my heart that this is God's word, to respect it and reverence it and value it as being that. And after making that decision, settle in my heart that this is the word that's going to have the final say concerning what this word is talking about. If it's a word on health, if it's a, like you said, the word, the word of the Lord was um, the year of the church. This is the year of uh, the body of Christ. Okay. Then to me, everything is going to be centered around that in my life. It's going to be focused on the body. So um, that's what I'm poisoning myself and sensitizing my heart to respond to anything that has to do with the body of Christ and then yielding, regardless of what emotions, feelings, circumstances, situations are saying, just if that's what the word says, then that's the truth about this. And I will follow in suit with that. So that's my thought of cooperating with it. Amen. Amen. Yes, that's exactly right. To cooperate with the word. Um, as Tamara said, it's being led by the spirit, but, and it includes, as, as Deborah was saying, being sensitive to the spirit. Well, first of all, determining, okay, this is what God said. This word takes first place over everything else. Everything else must bow to it. So it is, it's giving God that honor. It's giving God that reverence. It's giving God that respect. And if I go back to what I was sharing during the walk it out, talk it out, that is sanctifying the word of God in our hearts. That is setting, you remember to sanctify means to set apart. That is setting God's word apart in our hearts, apart from the word that anybody else will say, well-meaning or otherwise. Setting God's word apart, and th if this is what God says, then this is what it is. It is truth, and binding ourselves to that truth. That is how we cooperate with it. So, um, number one on my list <laughs> is exactly that, honor God, honor God, because we need to recognize that if it is, a, you know what, I handle things differently, and and. There are some people in my life, if they say something, I know I can depend on it. I know I can count on it. I know they're going to do what they say. And if they don't do what they say, then something happened to keep them from doing what they said. And then there are some people that speak and I take what they say with a grain of salt. And if they come through as they said they were going to come through, then yay, that's something to celebrate. But if they don't come through, 
like they said they were going to come through, where they don't do what they said or whatever, then, you know, it's just, it, it doesn't even matter. I've, I've learned not to get my hopes up. I've learned, and it's terrible, I've learned not to believe them because they have failed in that area so many times. So rather than set myself up for disappointment, I know that that word doesn't carry much weight because of their character that's behind it. When God says something, we know that he is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. His character, he does not change. The Bible says Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, James chapter one calls God the father of lights. In him, there is no variableness or shadow of turning. Because of who he is, because of his character, he, we, we can count on his word. And so just knowing this, and I understand that people in the world, they might know this, they might not you know, believe this, they may not have come to the place that we are in relationship with them, but there comes a point, and we'll talk about this later, but there comes a point when we just need to know that God is God, simply because he made everything. You know, he just is God. We, there's a point of acceptance of that. He's just God, and he's greater than anything and anybody. But when we are honoring God's word, what he has spoken to us, then we are setting his word apart from everybody else's um, word. And then it gets to the point where if people's words line up with his, all right, all right. But if they don't, then we can totally disregard it. Let's turn to, right now I'm gonna say 1 Peter chapter three, and if I need to change it, I will. But let's turn to 1 Peter chapter three. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, and I would like this read out of the Amplified Classic, please. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as holy and acknowledge him as Lord. Okay. Always, We'll stop there. We'll stop there. That's it. Okay. In your hearts, set Christ apart as holy. There's that sanctification piece. Let's set him apart as special from everybody else. But here's the key. It says, and acknowledge him as Lord. Okay, so here we go, talking about the body of Christ. The Lord has been showing me lately how much of the body of Christ has received Jesus as Savior. Yay, I get to go to heaven. I love Jesus. He died for my sins. And that's the end of that. Yeah. And they don't grow in relationship with him. They don't learn about him. They, and that, that's why they may continue to live the same lifestyle that they do, where they struggle with sin. They struggle um, with defeat and with failure, and they don't ever achieve victory. And when they do, it's not on a consistent level. But then there's that part of the body of Christ who has made Jesus Lord. And um, let's turn here real quick, because I want us to put our eyes on it. This is a teaching that the Lord has had me doing, and I, I haven't heard it much anywhere. That's not to say that it's not out there, but I don't want you all saying that Catherine said, <laughs> so we're going to put our eyes on it in the Word. It's Romans chapter 10, and we will look at verse 9. This is a, um, 
This is a familiar scripture because we share it with people when we're leading them to Christ. So when you all have it, just let me know and I'll read it. It says um, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now here I go into my teacher mode when I was in teaching students in school. Here is an if-then statement. It's a conditional statement. So somebody tell me, if we do what, what will happen? Based on this scripture, if we do what, then what will the result be? Confess with your mouth, okay. Confess with our mouth what? The Lord, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord, yes. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. All right, so if we do that, then what will happen? You will be saved. You will be <laughs> saved. So when we make Jesus our Lord, salvation automatically comes. Mm -hmm. And salvation isn't just, I get to go to heaven. It's not just fire insurance, I'm not going to hell. Salvation is uh, deliverance and preservation and prosperity and wholeness and joy and peace and love and everything that God has for us. And it's for us here in this time while we're here on this earth. Salvation is meant to be experienced here on earth. It's not just something we look forward to when we go to heaven. When we go to heaven, those things are already there. Jesus came for us to have these things now. And what happens is people center on Jesus died for your sins. If you want to go live with him forever, if you don't want to go to hell, receive Jesus as your savior. And that's as far as it goes. And when you receive Jesus, it's like a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle is not a square. If you receive Jesus as savior, okay, but you have not made him your Lord. But when you make Jesus your Lord, he is your savior because that's what comes with confessing Jesus as Lord, confessing that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because when Jesus is our Lord, he is our master. He's our teacher. He's the one who shows us, he's the one who instructs us and who shows us how to do it. Why? So that we can access the salvation that he came for us to have. It's just like, um, when I was working with my students, I might have this box full of toys or something that they want. But in order to get inside that box, they have to follow my instructions. And if they can't follow my instructions, then they can't get inside the box. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way. We have salvation here, the box, salvation, and everything inside of it. And Jesus tells us how to open that box to get to the healing and the wholeness but not only how to get to the healing and the wholeness, how to walk that out and how to hold on to it. Even when the enemy comes and tries to make us believe that we're sick, 
If we've made Jesus our Lord and we have salvation, we're not the sick trying to get healed. We're the healed maintaining and holding on to our healing, regardless of what the enemy throws our way. So it's important for us to make Jesus our Lord. It's important for us to, to uh, and, and our Lord is our, is our master, our teacher, the one who leads us, the one whom we obey, the one that we have given responsibility for our lives. We turn the reins of our lives over to him. And now we do things his way. And when we do things his way, we get his results and we get to experience his salvation here in the earth. All of that, going back to 1 Peter 3.15, that in our hearts, we must set Christ apart as holy, set him apart from all the other people, all the other influences, all the other everything. His voice is the voice that matter. His word is the word that comes first place, which means when something happens, we consult his word first. And it's final authority. I don't care what anybody else said. If this isn't what God said, then it doesn't, that, uh -uh, that does not rule my life. We must adapt or, yeah, adapt, adopt, come to this position to cooperate with the word of God. All of this comes under honoring him as God and then recognizing his authority. It's like I shared you know, when this person says something, I know they're going to come through. And if they didn't come through, something happened. And I need to check on them because it's not like them not to come through. If this person says something, I just take it with a grain of salt because they don't usually come through with their word. And I don't get my hopes up. And if they do come through, woohoo, that's something to celebrate. God is that one. He's always going to come through. And we need to recognize that and give him that place of authority in our lives. The original scripture, Deuteronomy 8.3 says, man does not live by bread only. But by what? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every, every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Amen. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We must give him that place and then we must submit by yielding. That's another thing Deborah said, yielding. So what he says goes in the way that I conduct myself through discipline and intentionality and in the context of what everybody else is saying, in the context of what the politicians are saying, in the context of what social media is saying, in the context of what well-meaning people in my life are saying, in the context of what naysayers are saying, in the context of what anybody and everybody else is saying, God's word is set apart. It's holy, and that's the word I'm sticking to because I've given him that authority in my life. Catherine, this is Deborah. Yes. I have a question, and I've never thought about this before. How does the Lordship of Jesus Christ that you're so beautifully explaining tie back into being rooted? Know that scripture we just read about not having a root in you? Yes. Is there yeah. some correlation there with that? 
here I go. This is Catherine. You'll hear me off the top of my head. I would say, yes, it has to be. What, what, where is, uh, you know, how we're, we're founded on the rock. Jesus is the rock of our salvation. There comes a grounding there. He's the rock of our salvation. There's a place where it says that we are rooted and grounded. Um, Paul talks about being rooted and grounded in love, but there's also a place where he will establish us. And yeah, yeah. go ahead. I'm just hallelujahing on this end because I never thought about this before. The way you were explaining that lordship just now and how some people who have made him lord mm-hmm. aren't stable, it brought up in me uh, back to the scripture you introduced us to about rooting. Yes. And so I just want to know, where's the correlation here? So keep going, please. <laughs> okay. And you share too. Let's, let's, let's follow Holy Spirit together on this. Okay. Let's do that. So, and, and the thing is, when we've made, this is so good right here, when we've made Jesus Lord, right, and we've made him, we've given his word first place and final authority, all right, then we're sandwiched in between that. We are there. And so when some other word, like the serpent in the Garden of Eden, did God really say this? Yep, he sure did. We're stable, we're fixed, we're rooted in that word. We can't be plucked up by deception when we, when we bind ourselves to God's word. We, we can't be, the, the, God says that no man, nobody shall be able to pluck them out of my hand. We're rooted in him by his word. It's what keeps us, you know what? Um, oh, Psalm chapter one, and I want to read this out of the um, amplified version. It's a familiar scripture. I just open to that. Okay, okay, go for it. Uh, verse one, Psalms one, verse one in the Amplified Classic. Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, following their advice, their plans and purposes, nor stands sub- submissive and inactive in the path where sinners walk, nor sits, nor sits down to relax and rest, where the scornful and the mockers gather. Amen. Keep going. So this is blessed is the person who doesn't do that, who doesn't go with all those other right. voices. All right, verse right. two. But his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord, and on his law, the pre- the precepts and the, the instructions, the teachings of God, he habitually meditates the teachings of God. Oh, I already did that. He habitually meditates, ponders, and studies by day and by night. Okay, so not only, just not only does he not follow those other voices, that's verse one, but he mm-hmm. focuses on, gives that special place to God's word. That's verse two. Now let's see what happens in verse three. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted 
and tended by the streams of water, ready to bring forth its fruit in its season. Its leaf also shall not fade or wither, and everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Amen. Now watch this. Watch this. So Deborah, that goes to the rooting that you're talking about. Be firmly planted, right? This is the person that did not follow those other voices, but stay centered on the word of God, giving his word first place, supreme authority, focusing on the word of God. But now let's look at what happens to those who don't meditate on God. This, let's look at what happens to those who do follow other voices. Uh, verse four. Not so the wicked, those disobedient and living without God are not so. They are like the chaff, worthless, dead, without substance, which the wind drives away. Okay, so the wind drives them away. They're blowing, tossing to and fro, and they, they're not rooted. They're not rooted. Those who haven't. Uh, made Jesus Lord, those who are disobedient. When we have made Jesus Lord, we are obedient to him because he's our Lord. We do what he says. That's obedience. When we are not obedient, we might call him Lord, but that doesn't make him Lord. My, one of my favorite scriptures as of late, Luke 6, 46, Jesus said, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not what I say? <laughs> so obedience is a key factor. So guess who'll be in bed by 10 o'clock tonight? Jesus, thank you. <laughs> Praise God. This is Deborah again. As, I, as I'm listening to this, yes. uh, another, another scripture has come to my attention yes. about this lordship peace okay. and how it roots us into experiencing the fullness of our salvation Amen. and it's colossians 2 verse 6 and 7 and in the king james it says as you have therefore received christ jesus the christ jesus the lord Amen. i'm talking about making him lord so walk ye in him rooted and built up in him but look at this and established in faith here we go. As you can talk, abounding therein with thanksgiving. So it's connected to even, I'm seeing the Lordship of Jesus Christ not only roots and grounds me in the fullness of my salvation, but it feeds the establishment of my faith. Amen. What were those verses again, please? Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7. Okay. One more thing just came to me. If if you got a faith problem, it's because you got a lordship problem. That's mm. it. That's it. That's it. Because you know what? Okay, so here's the here it is. I, I was wondering when the Lord was going to release me to share this word. Whoo, Jesus. Okay, hold on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. The Lord spoke this word to me this morning. You know, there's a lot of the country that's feeling disappointed right now because of things that are going on in politics and taking place in this world. And, um, and there are people who are trying to hold on to their faith. They're trying not to be disturbed. They're trying not to, you know, 
And the Lord says, what? why? What? And I'm serious. This is exactly how, as a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Shalom was here and I was sharing the word with her and she was like, don't look at me like that. I'm like, I'm not looking at you. This is the Lord looking at his people. <laughs> this is how agitated the Lord was. But he says, I thought we were beyond that. Mm -hmm. If I'm your Lord, you're following me, you're doing what I say, you know me by now. You should be able to trust me by now. I'm looking down and I want to be able to trust you. I want to be able to trust you to hold on to my word, no matter what you see with your natural eyes. I want to be able to trust that you won't tail and run because things don't look the way you think they should look. I want you to be able to have faith and confidence in me because I want to have faith and confidence in you that I don't have to keep com coming to cuddle you. I'm trying to handle some stuff right now. Yep. I need you to put on your big girl panties, put on your big boy pants, and I need you to trust me. We should be past this by now. When I give you the word, you should be able to stand on it. Amen. And move forward in it. And so what Deborah just said hit the nail on the head. If you have a faith problem, you have a lordship problem. Mm -hmm. If you're walking submitted to him, it's okay. It, it really is okay. It's like what Joyce Meyer says. If you're scared, do it afraid, but do it. Yeah, do it. He's your Lord. He's not going to let anything happen. Oh, Lord, that was close. Yes, it was. Come on, let's go. He's got you. He's not going to let anything happen to us. And he needs us to stay firm on the word that he has spoken because he needs his word going out in the earth. Yes. So that it can come to pass. And if we get double-minded, where first we're speaking the word that the Lord gave, and then because the situation doesn't look the way we thought it should look, we're saying something else. What does James say about the double-minded man? He's unstable in all his ways, and he should not expect, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. If you have a faith problem, you have a lordship problem. And this is the part that we're going to get to next week. But lordship doesn't start out necessarily with relationship. Oh, I know him. I can trust him. Oh, I love him so much. No, sometimes you just got to do it because it's the thing to do. Do you know we just read Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus, confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, mm -hmm. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Let me tell you something. Yes, Paul grew to have a relationship with Jesus. I want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering and in the, in the power of his resurrection. I count all things as lost for the excellency of knowing Christ. All that, yes, but that is not where he started. He started getting knocked down off of his high horse and saying, Lord, who are you? <laughs> He confessed him as Lord because he encountered something bigger and stronger than himself. And he knew, he knew he had to submit or something was getting ready to go down. That's why, and I, and I just, the Lord showed this to me. Paul is the one who wrote, if you confess the Lord Jesus 
and believe that God raised him from the dead. And this is what I believe the Lord showed me. Why did Paul believe that God raised him from the dead? Because Paul was one of the primary persecutors of, of they weren't called Christians back then, but of saints, of those who walked in the way. And so don't you think he was somewhere nearby when Jesus got crucified? Don't you think he was one of the biggest celebrators when Jesus died? And now this is, who are you? I am Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. Oh, crap. Yeah, I believe God raised him from the dead because I saw him die on the cross and now he's talking to me. It wasn't that great a spiritual thing. You know, I can imagine Paul was like, oh my God, you know? And then it doesn't say that Paul said, oh, oh, please forgive me. I was on my way to Damascus to kill your people, get permission to kill your people. Oh, please. He didn't do none of that. But he did repent. Why? How do we know he repented? Because repent does not mean to say, I'm sorry. <laughs> repent means to turn from mm -hmm. the direction you're going and to turn 180 degrees the opposite direction. Paul was on his way to persecute Christians, and he turned 180 degrees to following Christ. Glory to God. That is the repentance. Mm. When we're ushering people into salvation, ushering people into the kingdom of God. Yeah, all of that. I realize that I'm a sinner. Well, Paul realized that he was wrong. He realized that he was going to do the wrong thing, but that is not what his conversion centered on. His, his conversion centered on his coming face to face with the Lord Jesus, confessing him as Lord. And that resulted in his turning from the direction he was going and turning to the direction God had for him. And it's through that that he grew in relationship with Jesus because the church was scared of him. The church didn't want anything to do with him. It took Barnabas to vouch for him. So that, that is what I'm calling a fear of the Lord, just knowing that God is God, coming to the point where you realize God is God and I need to get in line. And that's what we'll pick up next week. <laughs>